When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. So there's a misconception that if you're single, you are incomplete, perhaps damaged, salvaged, and you won't be happy until you find your one. And that is not true. That is bullshit. It is a message that has been fed to us by media and advertising. The truth is, when you're single, you have the richest soil for growth. That's why I created this podcast. And unlike other podcasts, this one is host-driven, not guest-driven. That means I will be rotating health and wellness experts three times a week to give you the giant box of wellness crayons, not just the primary colors, so you can start building a meaningful life. It's time to give singlehood a cape. So today's host, Lindsay Burke, she and I go way back, back when I was working in addiction, residential, Malibu, driving my little motorcycle on PCH to help people with addiction, and she was on my team. I'm so happy that she is a part of this rotating host and experts for this podcast. Lindsay Burke is the founder of Lift Therapy, and she's a licensed therapist, behavior interventionist, coach, martial artist, yes, martial artist, a wife, a parent, and expert consultant on attachment, narcissism, and toxic relationships, as well as early childhood development. Yes, she does everything. And she believes that human connection is the best medicine and is committed to helping people heal by helping them develop healthy attachments with others. Her mission is to enhance the field of mental health by making support and resources more accessible to you in the form of psychoeducation, supportive programming, and individual therapy. Lindsay has served as a host for the Disney Plus show Reconnect and as an advisor and expert writer for various newspapers, podcasts, and radio shows such as the Chicago Tribune, Relation Up, P-Therapy, Life and Style Magazine, Pop Sugar, and on and on and on. She is very talented. She's a powerful catalyst, and I hope you enjoy. Well, I know you're going to enjoy and get so much out of her episode today. All right. Hey, hey, everyone. I am Lindsay Burke, and I am so, so excited to host this episode and connect with you all today. I'm grateful to John Kim and Vanessa Bennett for this opportunity to join their show and have some incredible conversations about how we can evolve into a more ah, congruent, aligned, notice I didn't say happy, notice I didn't say perfect, um, I'm talking self-actualized versions of ourselves. Um, this time it, timing, this timing couldn't have been more perfect for me. I have to be honest with you all. I've been hiding under a rock for a few years now. Uh, I know it's been it's been a while. After going hard for over a decade and saying yes to as many things as I could, and God, I'm so grateful for all of them. They have been such amazing experiences, and I've learned so much. But I needed to you know, that put on the brakes. I, I just had to take a minute. Have you ever felt that, that need to just stop? 
that need to take a pause and reflect and ask yourself, like, what the hell am I doing? Why am I doing this? I mean, just really, why? What is my why anymore? And um, and I also had a lot of life stuff I had to take care of, uh, some family stuff. So maybe that's why you're listening to this podcast today. And if so, great, we'll be doing it together. Um, so that's what I'm hoping to talk to you guys about over the coming weeks and months a bit of this triage that I've used to find myself again and continue to return back to myself in these moments when I get lost and they're all buried underneath all of the baggage, flooded by grief, flooded by trauma, sometimes um, just stuck on the treadmill and don't know how to get off of it, whatever you're here for. Um, I hope together we can just start to explore together this beautiful thing that makes you, you and find that home in you. And, um, let me go ahead and prepare you. (laughs) I am not going to sit here and claim I have it all figured out, uh, before I decided to jump into this podcast either. I am sorry to disappoint you. I still most definitely am an unfinished product over here. Uh, I have not always been the hero in my story. I have been the villain. I've been a casualty. I've been an onlooker. I've been a lump on the log. Uh, Yeah, it's been a journey for me too, but I've decided regardless, we're going to do this together. So here I am, (laughs) raw and ready, ready to go. So I'm excited to jump onto this train and dive a little deeper, reach a little further. And, uh, you know, sometimes we've got to poke at some of these mindsets, um, that, that haven't been working for us and, uh, and really dig and and find out what's going on, uh, in there. So what I am most excited to talk with you all about is really my favorite topic ever. And it is everybody's favorite topic. It's relationships. Um, I believe relationships are everything. They are truly everything. My clients have heard me say this over and over again. We are a social species. And I believe so much of the modern messaging around self-help has gotten away from this. Uh, We do not heal in isolation. I do not believe we can heal in isolation. I'm going to say that again. Um, So I am so excited to talk more with you all about how to relationship better. (laughs) Again, not coming from a perfect place over here. I'm still working on it too, but I want to join you on this journey. And again, easier said than done, but we are going to learn to relationship better together. So I guess I should start by sharing a little bit about me and uh, I'm not going to dive into the whole story to bore you with that as a whole episode, but um, you'll hear more and more about me throughout the different episodes. Um, I, I've got plenty of stories to tell you what doesn't work. So uh, I've been with my now husband for over 16 years now, uh, which is long enough to know better. <laughs> And um, you may be wondering, why would someone who's been happily, quote unquote, happily married be talking on a podcast, uh, be talking on a podcast about single and dating people? Um, I will tell you the answer to that right now. It is because one thing I've learned the hard way is what does not get resolved when we're single repeats over and over and over and over and over and over and over again until it does get resolved in that relationship. Uh, It's 
like Groundhog Day. Guys, did you ever see that movie with Bill Murray? I think, is that the actor's name? I'm always terrible with actors. Um, the main character wakes up every day and he realizes he's repeating literally the same day over and over again, the same interactions with other people, uh, the same kind of random circumstances that he finds himself in. And he realizes that the outcome of his behaviors and interactions are only making him more miserable. And he's forced then to start, start, I think he does accidentally, if I remember, it's been 15, 20 years since I've seen this um, and like 30 years since it came out. But uh, he is forced to start, he recognizes when he makes little changes that they begin to alter his future. And the next day, the day is a little different and he's a little different in that day. And it's a bit of this butterfly effect. When he begins to alter his behaviors, everything kind of trickles down in other ways and shifts around him. And this Groundhog Day can also happen in dating, I would say, to a degree. Um, but the people change. Um, it alters from person to person. And so sometimes it it honestly, in my opinion, can be a little trickier when you exit a relationship and enter a new one, even if a lot of patterns happen. And I, I've had so many, I mean, at this point, hundreds of clients tell me and ask me the same thing. Like, why do I keep getting into these relationships? Am I just attracting this kind of man? Am I just attracting this kind of woman? And um, it's more nuanced than that. Um, but we do repeat these patterns over and over again. And they're a little tricky and they're hard to catch when it's different partners, in my opinion, because it's a lot easier to blame that person, right? Um, it's a lot easier for us to put some of the blame on that person's personality or external circumstances around that person or chemistry or whatever. But when you are with one person <laughs> all this time, it is much, much harder to do that. It becomes so much clearer what your healthy and unhealthy patterns are because you better believe it. They repeat themselves to an exhaustive degree until one of you wakes up and decides to switch something up. You're going to be repeating it until one of you decides, I cannot do this like this anymore. And either the relationship has to end or we have to change the way we engage. And I remember at this point in time when I was mid-argument with my husband uh, and caught myself saying something I'd said, I don't know, you know, 4,378 times prior um, in previous arguments that had you know, in that hilarious moment, you know, the quote, the definition of insanity is doing something over and over again and expecting a different result. <laughs> um, yeah, I was like, I am losing my mind in this relationship. We have done this so many times. I'm starting to feel like an idiot. Like I'm who's the fool to continue to keep participating in this silly dance that we do my graduate degree, a decade in therapy, I am still engaging in these soup, these, I am still engaging in these loops with my spouse. And, um, you know, at this point I'm realizing this is not about who is and isn't taking the dog on a walk. <laughs> you know, I need to figure this out. I need to figure this out. This has to stop. And, um, and I realized I'm a part of the problem. 
I had to, I had to realize I'm a part of the problem. This something, um, even if I'm not a part of the problem now, which, you know, in, in recovering from some of, some of my codependency, I've been able to acknowledge, um, you know, I bought this problem. <laughs> I married this. I, I, I signed on to this um, with this other person who's incomplete. Um, as a person, you know, I, who was also viewing my relationship um, at that early age, we were babies, um, through, through a wounded lens, through a codependent lens in my case. And um, so I realized it has to be me. It has to be me that shifts. And uh, I, I remember working with a supervisor uh, who was helping me with uh, family therapy, um, working with this family that I'd been working with. And, and I remember her saying, Lens, you don't want to single any, any particular client out, but it takes one person. It takes one person to shift the whole dynamic. It takes one person changing and shifting how they behave, and it's going to be a domino effect. And and th- that really took took hold. Um, this idea that um, I don't need my partner to change. I need to change who I show up as in this relationship, and and then that's going to put him in a position where he doesn't have to be the person he is right now because I've shifted. He doesn't have to show up in the same way and it's not going to work when he shows up in the same way because it's not going to work on me because now I'm different. I'm responding and I'm engaging in a different way. And so instead of hoping he's going to be a different person for me, what if I were to shift who I am and how I show up in this relationship? And um, I I do want to take a moment to exclude um, abusive, like severely abusive uh, dynamics. And, and I might do a whole podcast on that. That actually is um, a, a little bit of what I backgrounded, uh, or excuse me, that is a little bit of what my background is actually in. And and, and I'll do I'll do an entire podcast on, on more abusive and, and really, really unhealthy dynamics. Um, but this is just, you know, marital and relational conflict that I want to talk about. And um, so acknowledging first, that I can participate in the solution. And as things stand, (laughs) I am a part of the problem. I had a mentor ask me once, Linz, do you want to be right or effective? Yeah, it hits you right in the gut, right? (laughs) She was the director of this violence intervention prevention program I had been volunteering for in Lexington, Kentucky. And her mission was to reduce the incidence of physical and sexual violence towards women taking place on college campuses. That was at the time at an all-time high. I mean, the numbers were and continue to be pretty horrific. And here she was there. And to give you a full picture, this woman was an openly gay woman in this extremely conservative Christian cowboy rodeo club line dancing culture that was in this area of the country um, that was very resistant to even discussing personal stuff like physical and sexual violence. There was a lot of hush hush around topics and 
yet she had astounding results with some people who I would not only have labeled as a lost cause, you know, like just extremely set in their ways and thinking, but would have considered them the enemy of this cause to an extent. I mean, these, these were people who were extremely, um, you know, a little, a little more on the extreme side of, of protecting, you know, the police protecting, um, that, good old boy mentality. And she said to me once, Linz, I don't need to convince you that women are victims of violence and that this is important and the trickle down effect of this horrible thing, like yada, yada, yada. I, you already, you are already on board. My power is in my ability to get the buy-in, the empathy and the investment from this 60 year old cowboy who thinks women's places are in the kitchen and raising their children, that wives can't be raped and that short skirts are asking for it. And if you can, if I can connect deeply with this man and truly give him the benefit of the doubt and meet him where he's at and for a moment, blame a little of this on the miseducation, naivety and really self-protection, self-preservation and let him know that I'm not here to attack him and let him get to know me, someone who he would usually never interact with and help him to realize that I'm human too. Then just maybe through our trusting relationship, our trusting relationship, we don't have to be so afraid of one another and we can actually be allies around this one issue. He doesn't even have to accept or like that I'm gay. He doesn't like the whole, he doesn't have to switch his whole political agenda. <laughs> Just this one thing. And, and that would be a success. Um, it requires me to meet him where he's at and to have some humility and hold space for him. Not liking me or agreeing with me in totality, it requires me to just see things first from his perspective. Now, look, I, this, this just really forced me to pull back on a lot of the way that I engaged with people who disagreed with me at this time. And I will say some people will never change their minds on issues. And to be said, teaching you to change someone else's mind. It's not the goal of this podcast today, (laughs) but the wisdom I pulled from this moment so many years ago was this. We have to connect first. Connection first. Connection is everything. We have to see one another as deeply as it is possible. And we need to feel seen in order to resolve Hard, hard, hard problems and change and influence change and influence happens when there is physical and emotional trust and safety and and really investment, which is something that must be built. It must be earned and, and develop and grow. And this applies to everyone, by the way, 
every argument, every age group. If I want my toddler to put on her shoes, I cannot approach her in a detached autopilot mode. I need to connect with her humanity first. And sometimes that means pretending to be a robot or pretending to, <laughs> you know, do something silly, just get something, get something else uh, that would be more exciting for her uh, than the idea of putting on her shoes. But uh, we have to connect and arguments that repeat over and over and over and over again happen when we are not seeing a part of the other person's humanity, as well as our own sometimes. We are not connecting first. We're not taking that time. We need to slow down. We need to listen a little more closely. Um, I had a, a client, she was a young, young woman, um, probably 16, 17 years old when I started working with her. Um, but her family traveled a lot. And she at one point went to a boarding school in Europe. And she was telling me one thing that she really learned from at least that particular sect of European culture was no one who needs to have an important conversation uh, starts talking about the thing that they're intending to talk about for like the first 15, 20 minutes. And I was like, what do you mean? She's like, everybody has tea. <laughs> everybody sits down and they chit chat about the weather and they heat up the boiling pot of tea. And that takes a few minutes. And then they steep the tea and they're still chit-chatting about things that don't matter and are getting out the crackers and the cookies. And then they eventually sit down and they pour the tea and they have a few sips of the tea and they talk about the tea and how good the tea is and or whether or not the tea is good or who's had better tea before or where do you get the good tea? And there's just all this conversation. And then finally they get to talking to the thing that they need to talk about. Um, and obviously we can laugh about this in an idealized world. We could do this for every disagreement we have, but and the whole point is sometimes we need to slow down and connect first. And as a social species, being able to do this is really, really, really important. I'll give you an example of when communication worked for me um, because I was able to take the time to connect and, and really listen to my partner and really listen to what the problem was. Not the problem that was said or talked about, but the problem actually was. Um, I had an, again, I'll say an almost argument with my husband around walking the dog. And I was upset that something he did didn't work out and I shared it and he was immediately defensive. I explained more, of course. He got defensive and, and more upset and so on. I'm being deliberately vague because the details don't matter. But the point was we got into our usual loop, me explaining my rightness, of course, and him explaining why it's wrong. <laughs> and it took us an exhausting number of rounds of this. I'm getting more heated. He's getting more heated. I'm more amplified and pressured in my speech and anger and frustration. He's getting more and more avoidant and just trying to blow me off and dismiss what I'm saying. And it's just, I see the spiral happening. And it, it finally hit me across the face. One, we're doing this again. And you know what really hit me was I saw my dog <laughs> and I realized, 
oh my God, this is so stupid. It didn't matter that much. My initial point, this fight has already grown bigger than my initial point that didn't matter that much. I didn't need to be right that badly. And I think it was just in that moment, I was able to pause for a second and and not get caught up in what was actually my triggers and my trauma needing to continue this argument and stay as invested as I was. Because the truth was, I wasn't right. He wasn't wrong. The point was I needed something that he could actually help me with. And he needed to do something different. And so I needed to shift things and I needed to think, okay, how could I do something different than I usually do? What would be the opposite of explaining my rightness? How can I connect with him instead of just stand here imposing my thoughts about this petty thing that I actually don't care that much about onto him? This is about something else. I need to shift. I need to acknowledge. I need to connect. This is not about walking the dog. So I said, what if you're right? What if you're right and I'm wrong? What if you're totally right and I'm totally wrong? Because I, I wasn't even sure what he was feeling, what his perspective on this was. I was confused. What does this mean to you? What would it mean to you if you're right and I'm wrong? And he said, it means I didn't mess up. Ooh. Okay. So right away, it's clear to me he was defending the fact that I, he thought I was accusing him of messing something up. And I followed that with, Because if you messed up, then what would that mean? Why is messing up so bad in this relationship? And he said, then I'm bad. I'm failing you as a husband. Okay. It wasn't about walking the dog, right? Are most of our fights really about that stuff? (laughs) Sometimes, yeah. But for us to get into a heated argument, it was something else. And I needed to connect with him. And ultimately, we got to this place where he explained, if he failed me enough, I'd have a good enough reason to leave him. That's where his head would go. That's where his head would spiral to. And look, Bumble knows you're exhausted by dating. All the must not take yourself too seriously and 6-1 since that matters. And what do I even say other than, hey, (sighs) well, that's why they're introducing an all new Bumble. With exciting features to make compatibility easier, starting the chat better, and dating safer. They've changed, so you don't have to. Download the new Bumble now. In his mind, he needed to prove to me that he's a good husband and not someone worth leaving. So what he needed to do was just combat everything that I said. Well, of course, that wasn't even close to the case for me. I had zero intentions of leaving this man I've been with for years. Um... And then we got to me. What was I afraid of? Why was I fighting this fight? Why was I fighting this fight? The reality was I just needed to know that he was going to support me. I needed to know that he was willing to support me. And because he wasn't willing to do that thing, I thought, yep, here he is. This is me, another person in my life, not willing to support me. My trauma was I can't count on people. It was not about walking the dog. We needed 
to connect. We needed to listen. We needed to trust one another's intentions. It was about resolving these deeply rooted fears and concerns. Of course, a repeat of the situation has happened dozens of times since then, (laughs) because triggers tend to be like that. But what has shifted? What has shifted over the 16 years is that we can catch these moments a lot faster when we end up in these cycles. Sometimes the fights are over something simple like the dog. Sometimes it's bigger stuff. Sometimes it is bigger stuff, guys. That's an easy example, but you and I both know sometimes sometimes the, the shit's a little, little deeper and a little heavier and a little bigger. Um, but we've gotten better at addressing these root fears right away. When he'd really seemed to amp up, up with me, um, we could jump right to the root of it. Hey, I want to help. I just don't know how. <clears throat> hey, I'm not attacking you. I, I'm not going anywhere. I love you. We're, we've learned these phrases. We're on the same team. We can resolve this together. This this does not have to be us competing or 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 threatening or attacking one another. This is you know we learn to kind of reconnect and say, wait a second, wait a second, we're doing this thing again, and we've caught it. It takes a lot of practice to do this, guys. And again, I will repeat this over and over again. It's been 16 years and a graduate degree, and I will be the first one to admit I still need some work over here. (laughs) I have a lot of work to do still. Um, But you're going to hear me come back to this a lot in future sessions because it's all about connection. It's all about connection. We can intellectualize and rationalize situations to death. We can learn all the best tactics for communicating. And we can learn all these techniques for better relating to one another. But we will get nowhere unless we begin to address our deep need for being seen and for connecting with one another. And and we learn how to protect each other's humanity in in these arguments that we experience together and these challenges that we have together. And we just develop this ability to maintain this, this perspective of our partner's humanity throughout the conflict. This is easy, easier to be said than done. We've got to be real about this. Um, And I'm telling you, I don't know about you, but I'm not feeling all Zen and, always feel like connecting mid-fight. Sometimes it requires a lot of walking away, a lot of deep breaths, um, a lot of pauses, a lot of tears, <laughs> a lot of tears. Um, but the question is, how do we begin to do this? How do we begin to really build this muscle? And I say muscle on purpose because this is not something you were born with. This is this is something that we really have to hone. Working on self-regulation, working on breathing, learning how to slow down, slow down when we're feeling triggered. The work, that means deep diving into books, into therapy, into self-reflection so that you're already very self-aware of what your triggers are. So when they do come up, you can be like, "Mm, oh yeah, hi, (laughs) I know you. Um, And we have to do this through meditation, yoga, exercise. I mean, this all is very you know, popular right now. But the reality is uh, these are the things that put us in and help us maintain 
a better baseline, a stronger baseline, a more calm and regulated state of being. So when our bodies get into this dysregulated state, we know how to come back to this calm state because we've had a lot of practice entering dysregulation, coming back to regulation, entering dysregulation, coming back to regulation. One thing I would do with children when I taught martial arts was, and after months and years of practicing meditation, every single class with some of these kids, um, for some of these kids as early as three years old, at a certain age, I would begin to reintroduce disruptive experiences during their meditation. And of course, as you can imagine, these these kids, they thought it was hilarious at first. Um, we would do all kinds of stuff, loud noises, just really abrupt experiences, like abrupt noises, abrupt touching, um, appropriate touching, of course. Somebody's going to turn that the wrong way, but like poking them in the back and doing different things um, with their gi, um, touching the top of their head, like things that would just have a natural sensory uh, reaction to cold water, throwing cold water on them in different ways and being hit again, not harmfully, but annoyingly, nothing dangerous, um, by pool noodles and foam balls and, um, other kids talking in their ears and eventually yelling and making noise around them. Just all this stuff that we could do while they're practicing breathing and meditating and finding that calm. And, and and getting dysregulated, then having that quiet, getting dysregulated and having that quiet. Um, we would do the same thing with boundaries and I'll, I'll get into that in, a, in another uh, another episode. But this this practice was so, so imperative because guys, it's easy to breathe and help your body relax in a quiet room with yoga music on, right? <laughs> the real training, is teaching your brain and more importantly, your body to relax when it's triggered and stressed. It takes practice, my friends. It takes practice. So you could listen to this podcast. Sounds great. You're like, okay, next time I get into an argument with my boyfriend, um, I'm just going to take a deep breath and be like, look, we're going to have to be real and, and integrate a lot of forgiveness into our practice (laughs) because this is hard to do, but this is the tool that we're going to begin to really hone. And it is being able to manage our stress because and to tie it all up when we begin to be able to do this, when we can get past seeing red and pause and see the other person, really see the other person for a minute and see ourselves in it, what's happening for ourselves in that moment and detach them from one another to a certain degree. This is your experience. This is my experience. What it allows us to be able to do is to be able to connect with them. And connection heard me say it. It's everything. Connection is everything. So guys, that was just the tip of the iceberg and we will dive further in future episodes. Um, But it is time to bring this episode to a close today. So moving forward, I just want to give you a heads up. We're going to be talking about a lot of exciting things. Um, Just off the top of my head, some things I'd wished 
I'd known prior to entering a marriage, (laughs) a contract, a licensed contract and business relationship. And when I say business relationship, we do have a business together. But even if we didn't have a business together, marriage is a business. And we're going to be talking about this. I picked this man and navigating within the current relationship when you, you know, when we've all got some growing to do. So we're going to talk about what I wish I'd known prior and when it's too late. If you're already in this relationship, what can I do before deciding to part ways? And how could I put myself in a position where if I do decide to part ways, I'm doing it from a place of assertiveness, not fear, um, anger, resentment. I'm doing it from a place of this is an expired relationship and it's time. And I'll be talking a little bit more about toxic communication. Notice I don't say toxic people. I know narcissism and personality disorders are a hot topic right now, and we'll definitely address some of this. But what we're going to focus on is how to manage these difficult communication tactics effectively while maintaining your sanity, as well as, again, the other person's humanity in your mind and heart. And we're going to talk about the baggage you carry. Mm -hmm. Yeah, don't worry. I've got some. And how you're unloading it onto your current relationships. Those old boxes, old mindsets, um, old jobs, old relationship dynamics. Again, notice I say dynamics. I'm not saying people. Um, And I want to present to you the triage I put myself through and do with my clients to start disentangling from this old thinking and this get off this treadmill we end up on. And... Oh man, so much more. For those of you who want to have a family, I'm going to be talking about things I wish I knew before starting mine. Um, We'll be talking a lot about attachment and how codependency is impacting my parenting, as hard as that is to admit, and problems with misinformation around child development here in the U.S., how it's impacted you and will continue to impact your children unless we catch it, unless we catch it and change how we perceive relationships with young ones. And oh man so much more. So, so excited to continue with you all. And thank you so much for listening today. It was awesome connecting with you. And if you'd like to stay in touch, you can follow me at Lift Therapy. And I look forward to talking to you next time. Have a great week. I hope that episode was helpful. Hey, listen, if you want to share your singlehood journey, if you've gone somewhere, come back. If you have revelations and wisdom, Please share your story. It's going to help other people. Nothing makes us feel more connected than hearing other people's stories. So just send me the audio of your story and you could just record it directly from your phone and email it to theangrytherapist at gmail.com. Also, if you want our Single on Purpose newsletter, go to singleonpurpose.life. That's singleonpurpose.life. You will get tools and articles and other people's stories and also uh, zoom links to private gathers so if you want to join our community go to singleonpurpose.life thank you for listening be well we hope you tell a friend Hello, everyone. My name is Ashley Diaz. I'm so excited to share with you guys the singlehood story the true ups and downs of what it really feels like to go on this solo journey of self-love and self-discovery. I'm 27 years old and personally I have always been the gal that 
was in a long-term serious relationship. I'm sure so many of you guys are able to relate to that. And with that being said, my singlehood journey began with me being in a relationship. And I decided to be with someone when I told myself I wanted to be single. And I told him that from the beginning that I really wanted to go on my journey of being alone for once because I just got out of a relationship with a narcissist. I was dealing with PTSD. And for those of you guys that don't know, it's a fucking hell of a mental battle. But I'm in the recovery stages and there's hope for those of you that are going through that. Anxiety, panic disorder, all of it, depression. You got this. <laughs> You're killing it. Um, and eventually I ended up leaving him, parting ways, and truly keeping my promise of being single. And through that journey, I discovered that I was holding myself back in ways because I would put my time into the relationship rather than in myself. And I had a lot of time to reflect on that being alone. I became the third wheel in a lot of situations and I learned how to enjoy my own company, which was very interesting and very fulfilling whenever you get to that place. I discovered that I always felt my voice wasn't heard in a relationship and that I had to learn that in my friendships also to open up about my insecurities and really dive deep because the people that really care about you, they're open to listening and they want to know and they want to help you grow and be a better person. So my circle of friends grew smaller (laughs) But they are so strong. They uplifted me in so many ways. At the time of this, my mom was diagnosed with terminal cancer. And yeah, it sounds like I went through hell and back and I, I really did. It was it was one of the hardest times of my life. But, you know, We are all resilient. As human beings, we are made to keep fighting. And as hard as it was battling through all of that, I decided to keep on pursuing this self-love journey. And one thing that panic attacks taught me was I needed to take a lot of walks. And now I take mindful walks. I'll take walks in the morning. I go to the gym Not because I want something shallow, but because it's good for my mental health and it makes me check in with my body. Doing yoga made me feel very present and it was able to show me where I was really struggling with trauma and it really helped me release it also. And it's very beautiful to see where things are stored and then when you reflect and you have that little aha moment And you're like, wow, it was from this. This is why I'm feeling this way. All these years, I had no idea why I would do this. And now I know. And an example of that is, personally, I always had the issue of 
getting into a relationship and when things went south, I would end up thinking about an ex. I'm always hung up on an ex, or I used to be. Always hung up on an ex, and I couldn't be present in the relationship. So if anything, my singlehood has taught me how to be a better partner. And one day I had the aha moment of, well you're missing the communication in this relationship and you missed it from the old partner that gave you that. And me going back to the old partner and still feeling the lack of love, I found out, no, this is something I need to focus on with this person. And it's not them. There's nothing wrong with the person in front of me. There's something going on internally that little Ashley wasn't heard from my narcissistic mother and I know this is a lot a lot to like unload in these few minutes I'm sharing but it's true and it's it's raw and it's real I didn't feel heard growing up because I was in an abusive household as well but I found within that my voice wasn't being heard and I really needed to feel heard in a relationship and now moving forward I know that I need to feel heard with everyone and I started working on my own book and I have been working on this book for years but I wanted to stop it but I remembered no I need I need to let my voice be heard her voice really wanted to be heard and if it can help one person hell I'm down to do it so I decided to take a chance and I started writing and boy, did it feel good. So whatever you're passionate about, whatever that passion is, and you know what it is inside. Don't tell me you don't have a passion. We all know what it is. We're just too scared to voice it. We're too scared to do it. But what's it going to, what's it going to do? Like hell, you'll, you'll be scared as hell pushing those boundaries, but it's worth it at the end. It really is. And for me, my specialty is poetry. Hell, I I did an open mic night. I went up there. I cried at the end, but I got an applause. And that meant the world to me. The audience being so supportive of me. People telling me, you need to keep doing this. You're so good. Your words are so powerful. That meant so much. So just giving it a little bit of positivity goes so, so far. In today's society where we're all on our phones. These pieces of humanity, people, loving people, they're just so beautiful. And I'm so grateful for it. So the point is, take your chances in your singlehood. It's not as scary as you think. It's so beautiful. And don't be afraid to talk with yourself. It's quite enlightening. And hell, speak even if your voice shakes. Like I know I can feel mine shaking right now because of so many emotions because I'm still going through the singlehood right now. But it'll be worth it. You might surprise yourself and find that you do have the answers that you're looking for. And knowing that you're strong enough to go after those dreams you want, do those little things during the day that make you feel so happy.
for me, it's writing, it's painting, it's watching a romantic comedy, things that I kind of saved to do with a partner. I did it by myself and it was beautiful, a really beautiful thing knowing that you can still feel happy and whole alone and you're not really alone because you have yourself and you're you've been with yourself since you were born you you have been there for yourself through it all so if anyone could be called a best friend or a true love it's yourself because heck we stood by ourselves right (laughs) but i hope this helped someone out there and just lead with love thank you thanks for listening you guys